Well, hello. Thank you for that incredible worship team. Got a few, yeah. <clears throat> Got a few new faces on band, which is uh, quite cool. You can stay. Uh, not on stage, but just in general, you can stay at Redcliffe. <laughs> well, it's good to see some new faces as well in the crowd. Hello. My name is Hendrico. I am the location leader here at Redcliffe. Um, I'm very sorry for the photo behind me. I look like a grade four maths teacher. No offense, Che. <laughs> he is a grade four maths teacher. <laughs> well, let me pray. Um, this morning has been incredible already. I've cried way too much already, but it's just, uh, I know that God is here. His presence is here and I don't want to ruin anything. So Lord, I just pray right now that I will not get in your way, Father, for you to do what you want to do in this place, Lord. You know every single one of us, you know everything we go through, you know us so deeply, God, and, and you love us. And there may be some in this room that find that difficult to believe. If a God knows me, how then does he love me? But he loves you regardless of what you think of yourself. And Lord, I just pray that this word that you've given me will go deep into the spirit of those that hear it this morning, God. And I pray that everything that I say will be what you want me to say in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to be speaking on vision this morning. I'm very excited. I got to speak on vision a couple of Sunday nights ago as well. It's something that's stirring in my spirit as of late how important vision is and, and how vision propels us forward. So title of my message this morning is Fix Your Eyes. So um, I hope you can see the background clearly. If not, you need to fix your eyes. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So Proverbs 29 verse 18, uh, the first part of that verse in the King James Version. So uh, those that have big heavy Bibles and a King James, you can open your Bible and read word for word what this says. Without vision, the people perish. Other translations say they wander away quickly. Without vision, the people get lost. Without vision, the people stumble through life. Without vision, the people don't know where they are going. So like I said a few Sunday nights ago, I got to share on vision at the night service there at Warner. I spoke about vision and how important it is to have a clear vision for your life. Something that drives you, something that motivates you, something that gets you up in the morning. Without vision, we quickly wander. Without vision, we get lazy. Without vision, we lack motivation. Without vision, we don't have intent. In March 2018, Lindsay Grace wrote in Horse Journals, a very important article, where you look is where you'll go. Your body your horse's body will automatically follow your eyes. And it's the same when you ride a motorbike or ride a bike. Where you look is where you'll end up. Where you put your focus to is where you'll end up. And, and that is applicable in life. And I think it sounds like a no-brainer, but it's just true. Where you look is where you will go. The truth is that we end up in the place we set our focus on. So I want you to take a moment right now to think of what you are looking at, to think of what you're focusing on. Are you looking at where you've been? There may be people in here that go, I've lived my life. I've looked at where I was. But it's not, that's not the time for that now. There's still life to live. There's still time to look forward. There's still time to look where you're going. 
Are you looking on either side of you? Are you looking at what other people are doing? Are you looking at what you shouldn't look at? In the, in the concept of you know you shouldn't look at it. You know that, that, that old saying, if you try to not think of a pineapple, you're going to be thinking of a pineapple. And it's the same with our vision. If we try not to look at something, and we're so conscious about not looking at it, we're looking at it. We'll end up looking that way. You will go where you are looking. I want us to go on a journey together. For the next few weeks when I get to share with you, I want us to look at where we are going as a church. I want us to set a target. I want us to set a standard. I want us to set goals together and look toward it. I want us to aim at it and ride toward those goals. As a church, a merged church, all three locations, collectively, we have great senior pastors and they set a great vision for us. And, and Pastor Mark reminded of us that, of us, that for us, ugh, can't get my words out. He reminded us about that vision a couple of Sundays ago and provision for the vision. And it's just incredible. And, and, and we have a large corporate vision that we follow. But what I want us to do is get deep into our vision as Emerged Church Redcliffe. Our vision as Emerged Church. And it's not counter to Emerged Church's corporate vision, but it, it, it's going to look a little different. Because we are in a different field. We have a different harvest. We have a different goal to achieve in the sense of who we're trying to reach and why we are here at Emerge Church, why we are here on Plume Street, on Oxley Avenue. It's a little different to what Warner has. It's a little different to what Moorayfield has because God has made us a little different. And that's what I want us to dig into these next few moments and, and the few times that I get to share as well is what our vision is for Emerge Church, Redcliffe. But first I want to look at our vision stripped back. I want to tear it apart a little bit. I want us to get to the, the, the core of our vision. I want us to get to what our vision was birthed out of. So I want us to look at what Jesus said to his disciples just before he ascended off into heaven. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. This is a starting point. This is, this is a passage that's completely stripped back. There's no frills on it. There's no pretty lights on it. There's no background music to it. It is raw. It is real. It is confronting this is raw vision. This is a raw goal. This is a stripped back vision that Jesus is giving his disciples here. I look at the scripture and I see three stages. Not steps, not levels, but stages. None more important than the other, but all three as important as, and as equal as each other. And these three stages are reflect, represent, and reveal. So when I think of the journey that we go on as Christians, the life that we live and, and the life that we intend to live to, to show other people, to tell people about Jesus, there's these three stages that we go through and we can't escape them. They are part of our lives. And these three stages are reflect, represent and reveal. So let us look at Matthew chapter 28 in that light with these three stages in mind. So 
Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is reflect. Go and make disciples. Go and spread the good news. Go and tell all the nations that Jesus lives. Go and tell everyone who Jesus is, what he did for us because of his love for us and what, it, what that means, what we mean to him. That is a reflection because when we share the love of God, we are simply reflecting the love of God. We are this little tiny object in the grand scheme of life that is meant to be a reflecting object. And when God's light shines on us, what it's meant to do is shine back out to the world around us. So this is the first part of the Great Commission. Go on to go everywhere and teach everyone about me. Share my love. Reflect me. That's the first part of this verse. The second part, part so verse 20, only the first part of verse 20, it says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Teach these new disciples. Show them how to live. Show them my ways. Teach them what it means to bear my name. This is very deep to me. This one means a lot to me. And it, it's not more important than the others to me, but representing Jesus is so paramount. And that's what happens here. This is represent because when we teach people the commands of Jesus, we show His way, we, we show His will, we step into His place as a teacher, as a leader, as someone with authority, as someone that is worth listening to. The only way we are able to do that effectively is when we take on Him, when we allow Him to become to live in us, to be us. So we, we take on His shape. We take on His form. We, we step into Him. We step into His life. We end up representing Him. That's the result of being this. We represent Jesus. And I take that very seriously. I think representing Jesus is such an honor. I think representing Jesus is such a privilege I think representing Jesus is one of the greatest things that we can do. And when we represent him well, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. It's something very deep and valuable to me. And I want to do it well. It is a desire of mine to represent him well. So part B of verse 20 says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. This to me is reveal. I am with you always. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. No matter where you go, I will be with you. No matter what you face, I will be with you. This is a promise that God has made to us, His people. It's revealed because this is what we show people when they see a glimpse into the life that we get to live. When we choose to let God, let Jesus be our Lord, we live a certain lifestyle. We do certain things. We make certain decisions. And this is part of it in the sense of when God is our Lord, He never leaves us. That is the life that we get to live. And that is what we get to reveal to those around us. We get to reveal to them this life that we will never be alone. That no matter what we go through, our God is always with us. I said earlier that these these aren't steps and these aren't levels. These are stages. It's not that you graduate from one and go to the other. Instead, I want us to view it as a cycle. And you can start anywhere on that cycle. 
but they all flow into one another. So that when, when you come to sharing God with people, you're either doing one of those three things at all times. Or if you walk them through a journey of life, they will see all those three things from you. You will reflect the love of God to those around you. You will reveal to them the life that you live because you are a Jesus follower. And you are representing Him in everything you do because you are taking His name and putting it upon you. Reflect, represent, and reveal. The first stage for me is reflect. This is the, the beginning of it for me. This is the, the, the initial contact with someone that doesn't know Jesus. What they should see first is a reflection of Jesus. What they should see first is the love of Jesus. We reflect the love of God to those around us. We tell people about Jesus and we share how His love has impacted us and transformed us. That is a reflection. The second stage is reveal. Once we have reflected the love of God to those around us, we then reveal to them what that life looks like. What that life looks like as a Jesus follower. And with that comes blessing. And with that comes, comes promises that He's made us. And with that comes courage that we can take hold of. How many times in the Bible does, does it say take courage or be courageous, be strong and courageous? Because that is actually a lifestyle that we get to take hold of as Christians. And, and we actually get to reveal that to the people around us. We get to reveal that type of lifestyle to the people around us. The third stage is represent. We represent Jesus. We bear His name when we call ourselves Christians. To those around us, we are Jesus to them. Until they meet the real Jesus, until they meet Jesus for themselves, until they encounter Jesus, when we bear His name, we are Him to them. So we have to represent Him well. These three R's, are the three R's that are a lens that we can use to look ahead. And we will use them to measure our goals against, to see if our vision is in focus, to see if we are actually looking at where we are going. That's what I want us to do with these three R's together, is to measure up our vision, to measure up what we know about ourselves and what, where we're going. Because these three R's, are found everywhere when you look for them. Every step of the way, every stage, it's either you're reflecting God or you're revealing a life led by God or you're representing God. Those are the three R's. And I think we can use them personally and collectively. And I'm really excited to go on this journey with you to find out a little bit more about ourselves to find out a little bit more about myself. And I, I pray that you can find out a little bit more about yourself as we go on this journey together. Does that sound good? Great, great. So let's start by looking at some historical churches. So what I want us to look at is, is some, some churches in the past, and let's see if we can see these three R's. Let's see if we can see how they reflect, how they reveal, and how they represent God. And the first church I want us to look at is the first church. The first church that we know is the church in the book of Acts, the first body of Jesus believers. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, it says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and property and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in their homes and and shared the Lord's Supper and shared the meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship with those who were being saved. The church in the book of Acts reflects God's love. We see that. We read that. They are kind to one another. They are fellowshipping with one another. They are, they are joining together. They are meeting the needs of the poor. That's what reflecting God's love is. It's meeting people where they're at. It's showing the heart of God to them. They are doing that. They are revealing the lifestyle that Jesus' followers get to live by being connected in a community, meeting together and sharing with each other what they have. So reflecting God's love is, 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 is um, sharing to those that are in need. Those that don't know God, that's what we get to do. We get to reflect His love to them. And that's what they were doing. They were revealing the lifestyle to those that aren't in their community. They were revealing the lifestyle of what it means to be a Jesus follower. They were revealing to them that they can be part of a community, a community with God and with each other. And the third part is represent. They are representing Jesus well by being devoted to prayer, just as Jesus is devoted to prayer. They are representing Jesus well by being devoted to the teachings of Jesus the teachings that Jesus taught his disciples. They were representing Jesus by obeying his commands and listening to his teachings. They lived out the Great Commission. And and we can see that they were doing this by reflecting God's love, by revealing to those people around them what, uh, what what it means to be a Jesus follower and by representing Jesus well. The next church I want us to look at is actually a collection of churches and it's, uh, it's the churches that we read about in Revelation. So it's these churches that Jesus sent letters to through John, his disciple. And, and I want us to read this, read this together. So it's a, a chunk of reading that we're going to be doing. And uh, when I was reading it for myself, I was just so interested in, in seeing these three R's as I was going through. The good part of it. And also the bad part of it, where they succeeded in whether it is reflection, reveal, or represent, and when they dramatically failed, because they dramatically failed in some areas. So let's read this together. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 to 6. This is to the church in Ephesus. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. I have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. This is Jesus talking. This is, this is some heavy words. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is your favor. 
You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. There's some words in here that I'm not good at pronouncing. And I'm going to make them sound super Australian or super stupid. But just bear with me. We're going to get through this together. Revelations chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. This is a letter to Smyrna, which is also the most Australian way you've ever heard that said. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogues belongs to Satan. I never want to be someone that Jesus says, your church belongs to Satan. I just think that is, that is rough. If that is one goal that we set, that needs to be set. We will never be a church that belongs to Satan. Yeah, I think we should applaud that. <clears throat> and there's one sure way to, to avoid that. And that's just keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. So that's what we're going to continue to do. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some, some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even in the face of death, I will give you the crown of life. Revelations 2, 13 to 16, to the church in Pergamum, Pergamum, mum, you try this. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you in that city of Satan. But I have a few complaints against you. Well, you're not all that good. We tolerate some among, you tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin or I will come and suddenly come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Rough. Revelations 2, 19 to 20. To the church in Thyatira. I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. They are doing good. Tick to them. Tick to the church in th Y-A-T-I-R-A. What a church. They are doing well. They are reflecting God. They are revealing God. They are representing God well. Until. Where am I? Verse 20. Thank you. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Not good stuff. Revelations 3, verse 1 to 4, to the church in Sardis. Yes, a name I can pronounce. I know all these things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. They are not representing God well. Go back to what you have heard and, be and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, 
I will come to you suddenly and, un- and, and unexpectedly. Who would have thought I would tripped up on unexpectedly? All these other names. And un- unexpectedly as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. That's a strong statement. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. It's not all that bad. I'm still going. Still a few more to go. But if you are surrounded by people that aren't representing God well, that aren't reflecting Him well, that aren't revealing God well, that doesn't mean you have to. There's a lot of these people in these churches that weren't doing what God was saying that they were doing. But Jesus had to talk to the whole church because we cannot put up with those kind of things. We cannot let those things slide. We cannot accept those kind of things. To the church in Philadelphia. Yes, another name that I know how to pronounce. Revelations 3 verse 8 to 11. I know all the things you do. And I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews, but they are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will, they will acknowledge that you are the ones I love because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Revelations 3 verse 15 to 20. The church in Laodicea, Laodicea. I know all these things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Your nakedness Then you will be rich. And also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. All of these churches either reflect God's love, or they reveal the life that we get to live when God is our Lord, or they represent God. And not one of these churches did a fantastic job at it. Some did a good job, some failed miserably. So reflect. Some of these churches reflected God's love because they were full of love. It says, Jesus said to the church in... in, um, one of the churches, that they are full of love. They are reflecting God's love well. But some of them failed to reflect God's love. Jesus says that they don't love Jesus or others as they once did. That is the dark side of reflect. That is the failing to reflect. Is if you've lost your love. You've lost your love for God. You've lost your love for people. Therefore, you're not reflecting God's love as you should be. Then there's reveal. 
There's some churches that have suffered and they are poor, but Jesus calls them rich. It doesn't matter what it looks like from the exterior. If you do not have much, but if you've got Jesus, you've got enough. And that is, a re, a re, that is us revealing God's love. That is us revealing the life that we get to live. We may not have all we need, but when we have Jesus, we have all we need. And that is what this church has done. Everyone else says that they're poor, but God says that they are rich. They, call, they are called to be courageous. They are full of faith. They have patient endurance. All these things are part of the life that you get to live. You can be a faithful person. You can be a person that endures much. You can be a person, person that is courageous. Those are the lifestyles that we get to live. That is the life that we get to live. And we get to reveal that to those around us. Then there's failed to reveal. They have a reputation of being alive, but they're in fact dead. It looks all good from the outside. They look like they've got it together. They look like they're playing the part. They look like they've got everything set, lined up in a row. But Jesus sees through it all. Jesus sees the heart. Jesus says, you look alive, but you're actually dead. That's rough. Please don't. Let us not be that church. They are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. And God doesn't want that. He actually says, I wish you were either hot or cold. I don't mind. But being lukewarm, being sitting on the fence, that's just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. You might as well be cold because you're not going to, Jesus says he'll spit you out of his mouth. He'll reject you. He will take you away from himself. That is rough and hard words, but it's truth. It's truth. They are failing to reveal the life that God has for us. They think they are rich and they have all they need, but they are actually poor. They are in fact miserable, blind, and naked. They are failing to reveal what it really means to be a Christian. And then there's represent. They don't tolerate evil. Jesus does not tolerate evil. Actually, Jesus defeated evil on the cross. When he pinned himself to the cross, when he got up there himself, he did not tolerate evil. He broke evil that day. He broke the back of evil that day. He broke sin and shame that day. And when we don't tolerate evil, we are representing Jesus well. They are patient and they endure suffering for Jesus. If they remain faithful, even in the face of death, Jesus will give them the crown of life. They are loyal to Jesus and refuse to deny Him even in the city run by Satan. Even when there's so much coming against them, even when there's so much persecution, even when there's so much hate, they stand firm in their faith in Jesus. They do not deny Jesus. They are standing there representing Him well, going, He didn't deny me. I will not deny Him. They are faithful to Him because He is faithful to us. They are not denying Jesus. They serve faithfully. When we serve faithfully, Jesus came down to serve, not to be served. And when we, when we step into that serviceness, if that's a word, made up a word, I feel like Pastor Mark. When we step into that serving, we are representing Jesus. He washed his disciples' feet. He came to serve. And this church was faithful in serving. 
and they obeyed God's word and did not deny him. When we obey God's word, that is a, a great way of representing him. When we take hold of what God is teaching us, what his word says, and when we walk that out, that is, that is us representing him. And some of these churches did a really good job at representing Jesus well by obeying his word. But some of them failed to represent him well. They have allowed false teachers to come in and they accept those words. They accept those false teachings. That is, that is the exact opposite of what I just said about obeying his teachings, about, about taking in what he teaches us. But these people were taking in another message. They were taking in another teaching. They were taking in false teaching. And, and the, the list goes on about how poorly they represented God. They had people among them who were committing sexual sins and, and leading others to commit sexual sins and, and eating food offered to idols. And I don't think we comprehend what that really means in this Western culture that we have. But there were some disgusting idols that people would sacrifice things to. There were some horrific gods that they served. And when they laid it before the feet of these gods, these evil gods, these Satan, essentially, it was dirty. It was ruined. It was not sacred anymore. It was not pure anymore. And then they were consuming these things and they were partaking essentially in these rituals of these disgusting gods, of these disgusting idols that these people was, were, were worshipping. And that's not what God wants for us. That's second class to what God has for us. He has something far better, something far greater to us. But when we go down and, and, and we, we partake with the, with the people of, of eating things sacrificed to idols, whatever that may look like to us as Westerners, if you know, let me know. But whatever that looks like, that is not what God has for us. And that is us not representing Him well. They follow the teachings of immoral people. Their actions did not meet the requirements of God. That's just clear cut. You just don't measure up. You're just not doing what God has asked us to do. And you know what? That can sound quite, what's the word? It can sound very law-abiding. It, you, you, it's either this or not. But what it really comes down to is, are you committed to God? Yes, we fall short of the glorious standard of God. Yes, not one of us are perfect. Yes, every single one of us will mess up some way, shape, or form. Yes, there are some instances that every single one of us will not be able to follow everything that God has asked us to do. We will not meet that mark. I preached a message about that a couple of weeks ago. But if our hearts are not set to want to meet that mark, then this gets said to us. If it is not our desire to want to meet that mark, then this gets said to us. Can I have the band come up? These seven churches were attempting to live out the Great Commission. That is what Jesus said to them to do, to go out, share his love, disciple the people, baptize them, teach them my commands, teach them how to follow my commands, not just teach them my commands, and that God will be with them. 
no matter where they go, no matter what they do, they were trying to live out the Great Commission. Some better than others. Some had quite clear vision. Some had very, very blurry vision. What Jesus was, is, was trying to do in these letters was to fix their eyes. He was trying to steer them back. How many times did he say, but repent, turn away from it? Because that is not what I want from you. I'm not going to destroy you yet, but a time will come that you will be destroyed if you do not follow what I have set out for you to follow. And it's hard. It's harsh. It's, 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 it's in your face, but it's truth. And we cannot avoid the truth. We cannot steer away from the truth because then we become false prophets, because then we become false teachers. So when we read things like this, we need to look at it and we need to take it in for fact, because it is fact. And we can't run away from it. We can't paint something over and say, oh, it's all right. Look, we do this better though. There are some things that we just need to fix. And this is what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to help them see clearly, help them see what their goals truly should be, what it means to live out the Great Commission, what it looks like to reflect His love what it looks like to reveal the life that He gives us and what it looks like to represent Him how He should be represented. We can look at these eight churches, the seven in Revelations and the one in in Acts, and we can line our lives up to them. They have done it. They have tried it. Some have failed it. Some have succeeded it. Some have done what God has asked them to do. Some have not. Some have fallen short. And we can use that as people, as individuals, by, by looking at through the lens of the three R's of the reveal, reflect, and represent to see where we are at. Because I want to take us on a journey to, to get to where we are going as Emerged Church Redcliffe. But we need to start by looking at where we're at as individuals. We need to look at what we are looking at. We need to see what we are focusing on. Because if we don't know what we're looking at, we're not going to be able to change to what we should be looking at. We need to fix our eyes. We need to fix our eyes. So let's use this to see where we are as individuals. And the next time I get to share, we'll use these three R's, like I said, to see where we're going as a church, as a merged church, Redcliffe the vision that we set, what God wants us to do, using these three R's, using reflect, reveal, and represent. That is what we're going to do together. That is the journey that we are going to go on. So I've spent time this morning talking about reflecting God's love, talking about revealing the life that God has for us when we are followers of Jesus, and talking about what it means to really represent Jesus, what that looks like to represent Him well. And, and, I'm going to go into much more depth about these three things when I get to share next. So this is just a glimpse of it. But I wanted to share this because I really believe the importance of these three R's. I really believe the importance of reflecting God's love. I really believe in the importance of revealing the life that I get to live as a Jesus follower. And I really believe the importance of representing Him well. And I do all of these things Because it matters. Because Jesus matters. Because what He did for us matters. So what we do for Him matters. 
He's given us a charge. He's given us the Great Commission to go and do, to do something. Not just sit down and rest. Yes, we have our merry moments, but we also have our Martha moments. But we are fueled by our merry moments so that we can go and be that Martha. So we can go and do the work that He's asked us to do. It's all because of what Jesus did for us. So if you're in this room this morning, I want to give you an opportunity if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you not, have not accepted Him as the, to be able to take away your sins because He did it on the cross. He already died for you. He rose again for you. And because of what He did, you can accept the free gift of salvation. You can accept that life that He offers every single one of us. But you have to accept it. You have to accept it. What He did for us is priceless. And I want every single person in this world to know what He did for us. And I want every single person in this world to accept what He did for us. It stirred me so much, that video of that young boy. That has nothing in life compared to what we've got. But he's got Jesus. And that brings a smile to his face. He can't even hear. But he heard the gospel. He heard that God loves him. And that is what we get to do. And that is my, my passion and my desire is that every single person will know that Jesus loves them. And I know God wants every single person to accept His love. So I want to pray for us this morning. But I want to give you an opportunity, if you have not accepted that, to just throw up your hand. I want to pray with you. We have a, a Next Steps banner at the back where we will have Pastor Rachel at the back there later to, to talk to you about what that means to be a Jesus follower, to talk to you about what I've shared a little bit in this message. But right now, I want to give you a moment to accept Him in as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you with eyes closed and heads bowed in this room, if you want to accept Jesus, why don't you give me a wave? As I'm looking around the room, I want to pray with you. If anyone is here that wants to accept Jesus, whether it's for the first time or whether it's a recommitment to Him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to pray for us as a church. Lord, I thank you for what you did for us on that cross. I thank you that you defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I thank you, Lord, even before you ascended back into heaven, you gave us the Great Commission. You gave us a charge. You gave us work to do, not for salvation, but from salvation. And God, I pray that we will be able to do everything that you have called us to do. That we will be a church that reflects you well. That we will be a church that represents you well. That we will be a church that, re that reveals the kind of life that we get to live when you are our Lord and Savior. And that we can do that well, God. Lord, let us throughout this week be able to sit down and, and, and ponder upon these three R's. To see what our life looks like to measure it up against reflecting, representing and revealing. And Lord, if there are things that we need to change, Lord, just remind us gently of those things as a loving Father. And God, help us, give us the strength to change those things. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
Well, why don't you stand with me? And we're going to go out praising Jesus because He is worth praising. And this week, fix your eyes on Jesus because He will make all things clear. So let's go out worshipping, praising Him.